Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Indian Dentist. Today we have a couple of friends with me so I'm pretty sure that this episode is going to be very fun and lit. <laughs> so we have with us Rami and Sara. They are both dentists and we are all doing our masters in uh, Birmingham, UK. So welcome to the podcast Rami and Sara. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. You need to stop laughing. This is serious. We need to take this seriously. Okay. This is her first proper, proper, like physical podcast, isn't it? This is the first yeah, yeah. podcast. So I am the first guest. Am I the first guest? Yes. I feel honored, you know? I really feel honored. And so is Sarah. Yeah. Well, say something, Sarah. Come on. For now, I think I'm good. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe Too shy. <laughs> Let's start with introducing ourselves. So, first, we have Rami. Okay. So, my name is Rami. I am Lebanese. Uh, I've lived in Dubai my whole life. I've studied dentistry in Dubai. I love my job. I love dentistry. Well, not at first, not really. Like I didn't, I didn't like it at first, but, but then when once I saw what I could do with my profession, then yeah. But um, yeah, so I studied dentistry in Dubai. I took a couple of diplomas. Graduated in 2019. Got a couple of diplomas. Did you, Did you know that? No. No, I didn't know that you had diplomas. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was, yeah, so I have a dip- well, I graduated in 2019 and then I decided okay I can't stop I can't stop learning because once you stop like everyone's going to get better and then you're just going to stay where you are and that's just how it is with dentistry and any other profession if you really think about it. So I decided to start to uh, take a uh, take a diploma and the first diploma was endo and I really did not like endo. That's why that's why that's why that's why maybe I decided to take it because I don't like it and I'm very weak in it and I never really understood it. Once I took it, oh let me tell you I fell in love with Endo. Yeah. And now all I want like now what I want to do later on is take my masters, my MSc in Endo. So took my first Endo diploma, aced it, because I'm awesome. Are we allowed to curse you? No, we're not allowed to do that. Yeah, okay, so no cursing, fine. So um, I took my, my end of diploma, I loved it. And then, then again, I decided to take another diploma because again, I thought that, well, I, I had so much free time on my hand. I, I was doing my internship at the time and I had so much free time on my hand. You and had the, free time during your internship? Well, yeah, I mean, you work for, well, for us, how internship works is you, you work in uni every day, mm-hmm. five days a week for four hours. Just? Just four hours every day. Wow. It used to be six. So we had a pretty devastating time in our internships, uh, honestly, because like we, we worked were... six days a week. Yeah, and for what eight hours? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we had just like one hour of break in between. I had fifteen minutes of break. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, I wish I wish we worked for eight hours because uh, let me tell you, in, in four hours we barely got any work done, mm-hmm. and uh, we used to. Because we used to work in partners, so one week I would be the assistant, mm-hmm. and the next week she or he would be my partner would be the assistant. So one week I'm the dentist, one week I'm the assistant. Mm-hmm. And if you have four hours every day, it's hard with the with the patient flow. Obviously, it's hard to get any work done. Mm-hmm. So no, I wish we had eight hours. But anyway, I I I had so much free time, so I thought then okay maybe let me take another diploma. And uh, I ended up taking um, the cosmetic diploma. So because I wanted to know about cements, veneers and crowns and prosto because I sucked at prosto. And I, I like all of us, all of us have deficiencies in prosto, you know. Yeah. So that was a time when I thought, OK, let me let me take a diploma in prosto and see how it goes from there. Uh, and I'm glad I actually did, because uh, to this day, I remember all the stuff I took in my endo diploma and in my cosmetic diploma and it really really helped me in this msc mm-hmm. i found it i didn't find a hard time grasping the information that was being given to us mm-hmm. so um and i also discovered that you don't need an msc in your life and that's that's a misconception that all of dentists yeah. uh, have they always think that oh i must have an msc to be a good dentist or i must I must get that MSc so that I could be a good endodontist or a prostodontist or no 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 no. Once you start, yeah, but again, it's it's just for the people to see. Oh my God, look at me! I have an MSc. Mm-hmm. 
if you look at people's, I could show you Instagram accounts of colleagues of mine that do not have, they're just DDS. Their, their title is DDS and they get amazing work done with veneers, with endo, with, and it's because they show interest in that field and they work in clinics that mainly specialize in these fields. So they do well. Um, when I was in Dubai, I discovered I didn't really need a master's degree. Well, I think your internship. Well, I think your internship also was like quite uh, fancy when compared yeah. to us. We had no assistance. We were working alone, alone for yeah. eight hours a day. Oh my god! And yeah, we we did get a lot of patients done. You had you had no assistance. No, you you didn't had work no with assistance. The... We had zero assistance. Like we would be running to the decon room, getting all our sterilized instruments, changing gloves frequently, going to the material room, grabbing all the materials, mixing, mixing it, it ourselves. <laughs> oh my god! Alone. I lived a poshy internship then. I had oh my I, I used to have we had a nurse room that the nurse gets everything for us like I was blessed with that we um, the nurse we had like a cubicle inside the clinic so the clinic had like 15 units and um, there was a cubicle a small closed cubicle where the nurse just a nurse one nurse or two nurses sit in and you go up to them you go like hey I want GIC or hey I want composite or hey I want SSH or I want <laughs> No, I I want to listen to Sarah's uh, internship experience. And where, where where did you do your internship? Delhi. What same same. Con- but let me tell you, there is no concept of dental nurse in India. Yeah. No such concept. I mean, yeah, assistant. You mean dental assistant? We, we do Nothing. have like. Yeah. I think my department, each department had like just one, one or two assistants. Yeah. Just one. And that and would be the person who would like. Assist would, the main. Uh, yeah, the head, head of the department, <laughs> not <like> us. <laughs> As dentists, oh we were the dental nurse for the senior doctors. Yeah, sometimes when we are not handling our own cases, we are just yeah. like you know, assist uh, try to assist them and try to uh, gain knowledge from whatever they are doing. Well, okay. To be fair, to be fair, okay. Uh, this is much harder, and I do feel you because <clears throat> the first. Uh, so for us. Fourth year onwards, when you get to fourth year, you get into the clinics. And fourth year onwards, you start working with a partner. Now, my partner, the first partner I had, I didn't really have much luck with my partners. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hard for me to get along with, with people, uh, especially working with, with people. I have a certain set of, uh, I'm not saying my standards are better or whatever. I just have my own set of standards. I work at my own pace and other people or other dentists like to work at their own pace. So I didn't really get along with my partners per se, but the first partner I had, we did not get along. We, Can we you just, name him? No, I can't, I can't do that because one day... Rami's first partner was, you're listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this, 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 yeah, this podcast might blow up and he might hear the podcast, but he knows himself, he knows himself. We did not really get along pretty well. Uh, and we ended up, like we didn't even last a semester. We just, we just, it's like, okay, that's it for us. We didn't really get it. We just didn't get along well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that. The first semester of fourth year, uh, I worked with a partner. Then the second semester, there was no one that could take me in as a partner. <laughs> Which was very sad. Very sad. You should be proud of ourselves because we are your friends for more than six months now. Exactly. Almost I don't, yeah. Almost a year. Yeah. yeah. We've been friends. We've been friends since Jan. Yeah. yeah, I've I've known Sarah before you, so mm. I think since Jan, so almost nine months, mm. ten months, not some, six. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, well, I'm surprised you're still my friends, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I used to always think that okay, I need a nerd to work as my partner, and that was my mistake. Mm. I used to think that okay, I need someone who's as serious as I am, who works at the same pace as I am, who's who has the same set of knowledge or the same knowledge as I am, who's as serious, that's not true. So, and that's actually how I met one of my best friends. So the second semester came and I had no partner. And then this guy comes up to me and I know this guy. This guy is basically all of, our, our university knows this guy. He's a, he was famous. He was like well known in our university. And he's, he's um, I, I'm not going to say like he wasn't serious. He was serious, but his mind was more of a business mindset than a dentist mindset. And he just knew how to get stuff done quickly. And he was mm-hmm. smart in knowing his way around life. He's smart in life. He's yeah. very, very smart in life, but not as serious 
exactly that's that's <laughs> yeah. the kind of guy he was super nice guy but we were not friends at the time uh, good looking guy all the chicks were around him and <laughs> And he had like, uh, the captain of the football team exactly. kind of a guy. Yeah, well, he had, he had this reputation, so I was like, there was no way I could ever work with this guy, <laughs> never. And um, fate put us together. I mean, the second semester of fourth year, he had no partner because no one would work with him. And for me, <laughs> and for me, <laughs> exactly. And for me, when no one would work with me, because like I don't know how to deal with people. So um, yeah, he told me. Uh, he came up to me in the clinic. He's like, hey, I heard like you don't have a partner. How would you like to work together? But was it necessary for you to have a partner? Can you not work alone? No, absolutely. You needed a partner at that time. I wish I told I told the head of the clinic. I told her I don't want to work with anyone. I just let me be. I want to work on my own because I work best on my own. That way, I won't have to wait for anybody or I won't have to share something with anybody. I don't like that. I just didn't like that back at the time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so he comes up to me in the clinic. He was in a different clinic, the, the clinic next to us. So he was in a different clinic. And now he's one of my closest friends ever. Um, he came up to me. He, he went like, hey, I heard uh, that you and this guy didn't work out. And uh, now you don't have a partner. A partnership. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, I heard that you guys like are not working together anymore. And uh, I'm like, yeah. And then he was like, yeah, well, how would you like to work together? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, you know what? Maybe there's like, I, I started looking for random people in the clinic, people I don't even know. <laughs> and I told him, ah, this guy said he wants to work with me. This guy said he wants to work with me. So I'm not really sure. I don't want to disappoint anyone. And no one talked, no one even wanted to work with me. So, uh, so yeah, he's like, okay, please, let's work together. And he was persistent on it for mm-hmm. some reason. And I never knew why. Um, so at the end of the day, long story short, we ended up working together and we became best, best friends to this day. And um, you need that when you're working with someone. You need someone fun when you're, when if you're, a, I'm a serious guy when I work. So I needed, his name is Nabil. So Nabil, I needed Nabil in my life to tell me, hey, slow down. It's okay. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to learn from your mistakes. It's okay to have fun every once in a while. And I needed this guy. So it's good to have a partner if, and our heads clicked like outside of work, our mentalities were very, very similar. Like I I didn't need to tell him, hey, get me cement. He would look and he would know. He, or hey, I need compost or I need acid etch for the for for this yeah. filling or what he would know instantly. He would just go up to the nurse, ask her without even me knowing, mm-hmm. and he'd just get it. And then as soon as I tell him, hey Nabil, could you get me this? He's like, it's already done. Like I got it. <laughs> He's smart, you know. Yes. The guy, yeah. These are spoiled brats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so you you, wait till you hear Sarah's internship uh, <laughs> stories and all the horrors that she went through. Yeah. So Sarah. Uh, Tell us one of your internship horror stories that you have had. I don't think it was that bad, but final year was... We were running around the whole... Internship or... Internship was good. It was good. Chill. But final year... (sighs) I think we... Like, unlike you guys, we entered our clinics when we were in third year. Third year, yeah. So... Yeah, so in second year, we had our preclinicals and third year and final year, we were already working with the patients. So, you know, when you're working with the patients for two years in internship, it kind of gets a little smooth and plus you don't have the pressure of seniors standing over you and like seeing and you don't have the fear of messing up and all of that. So it was a way better in internship. Yeah. So, yeah. so and even in the internship, you don't have someone over your head? No. We I mean, we don't have someone over our head constantly, but we do have somebody who's like <laughs> making sure we are not like doing something. You know, we do have supervision, but it's minimal. But I mean, you still need to get approval for a case if you have a case and you, yeah, you're like... Yeah, 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 definitely. Like uh, we do need to uh, get an approval for whatever treatment plan we have proposed for that particular patient for sure. Yeah. Nice. So, um, yeah, so uh, the, the big question is, how the hell did we end up in UK? <laughs> How did we end up in this country? Seriously, I want to know. Like, Huma, why don't you tell me your side of the story? I want from the first, like, the first idea or thought that popped in your head and you went like, yeah, I'm going to go to the UK. What happened? Tell me. Uh, my BDS ended in Gulbarga, which is like a small place. Okay, so it's 
there are not many opportunities there and uh like you do what you do basically that's that's all dentistry is there i mean i don't want to bring people who are doing great job over there but you know that i didn't get much of uh, interesting or cutting edge things and i'm always interested in something cutting edge so that's uh, one thing and second uh, thing is immediately after i finished my internship i knew that i wanted to move somewhere bigger uh, and you know explore and talk to dentists who are doing something very uh, cutting edge or doing different research or like bringing new uh, treatment methods and options to india kind of so i moved to bangalore uh, because that was the easiest option for me and i kind of love that place and how far was <laughs> bangalore from where you stayed and was it hard to move in and out like you were away from your family weren't you yeah i was away from my family and uh, it was a 12 hour train so it was quite far but then uh, later uh, we had an airport so like it was just one hour in in a flight so it got better with time but yeah so when i moved to bangalore um, i started practicing again uh, with a dentist who is dr jens uh, he was like kind of my mentor for a long time and even now like uh, if i have to like go back and ask for advice then he would be a person i'd go to so uh, he had done couple of his um, courses from usa and he was practicing in australia for a bit so you know when i uh, met him i kind of felt like okay like if he did it like which was like i think 12 years ago then i can do it too because like now we have internet and all you need to do is like get on the internet to explore dentistry so when i moved to bangalore the one more thing i did was like i started a podcast so uh, i was like scrolling on linkedin and like trying to find out people in dentistry and all the different type of things that are going around so um, i interviewed quite a few people uh, who who were from india and Uh, who were studying in india and some who were like working in different parts of the world so that kind of gave me uh, an upper hand to think that maybe i should explore my uh, dentistry skills at an international level so that was one thing and simultaneously what happened was i was in bangalore to give my uh, neat examination as well which is like an entrance exam for a pg course in india so yeah while i was doing that um i also wrote my ielts exam and applied to a few universities all over and um what happened was uh the neat results were declared one month later but we did not um you know the counseling was delayed for about a year so for a year because i was covid yeah because of covid mm-hmm. and then i was like stuck in a place uh practicing all the things that i have learned in college but i kind of felt stagnant and at that time i was like exploring all the options and looking at courses and trying to find things that i am interested in and things places that i want to grow into kind of like that so i got my first offer letter uh from uh queen mary university london and uh then you know for, with girls it's always like parents are super scared to send their daughters alone to a different country and all of that but i was all, already staying away from home so uh they had confidence in me that i can manage on my own so moving to bangalore was tell, like tell me about i'm sorry for interrupting you but tell me about uh, that i mean uh, you mentioned a very very interesting point and i consider myself to be lucky because i'm a guy and we don't i don't really have to like worry worry about <laughs> traveling abroad or not just traveling abroad doing anything really especially in our uh, community or in our culture especially the arab or indian culture pretty yeah. similar pretty pretty similar uh, when it comes to family and parents so tell me how was that like for you and how did you get your parents to be on board with you traveling abroad alone well uh, <laughs> okay so that it's quite funny and difficult because um you know with my parents i have like you know i always respect my parents a lot and uh, there was this doubt that i had in me like okay if i go like you know you need to build that confidence first to convince somebody else ki i will be able to do it and then you need to convince your parents ki yeah i'll be able to do it so yeah that that was like a long journey for me i guess so i didn't take the offer that i got from queen mary and uh, my parents were like just wait for the need counseling to happen then maybe you'll get a seat here then why do you want to travel to another part of the world and all of that so uh 
at first i kind of felt like yeah okay i need to listen to my parents maybe they are right and i might not be able to establish myself in the uk and all of that so i did give up on that offer <laughs> but then i still continued uh, exploring and applying for january intake as well so i got offer letters even in january and the st- still the need counseling had not even started and i felt uh, like very stagnant and i was like at this point oh no i'm not going to do this anymore and you know the one more thing uh, about uh, doing masters in india is like it's 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 difficult because it's like it's a 3 years course and then you invest a lot more than what i invested here and then the returns are not not that great i heard it was expensive and it was not it was expensive i heard uh, i have a friend He's doing um, medicine. He's Indian, mm-hmm. and it's the same. I think they have the same uh, thing as well, yeah. where yeah. the return. He said the exact same thing, where the return is not as much as you pay because you pay a lot of money, and many Indians actually travel abroad for that reason. Yeah. But that's shocking because I, I, I did not. I had no idea that India could be more expensive than, for example, China, or because I have my friend studies in China, because mm-hmm. it's cheaper, and I did yeah. not know that. Especially in India, I thought it was actually cheaper to do that in India. I think it's because like uh, a lot of, there are a lot of MBBS doctors and BDS doctors in India and because of that it's very important to do masters and the number of seats are quite less so that for the government for, but privately yeah. it's a lot hmm. <laughs> so yeah that that's why the fees is quite high so it took me i think it took, took me about 8 months to convince my parents you're joking <laughs> no i'm not because uh, when i got the offer letter from uh, queen mary i listened to them and i said okay let's put a full stop to this let's let's just go back to working and wait for the need counseling and all of that but i i knew that in my heart i knew that i wanted to move abroad and explore dentistry so i still kept applying without them knowing oh but God. then <laughs> that's too much <laughs> yeah so yeah so after 6 months when i got an offer letter again i was like okay now i need to have a serious conversation with my parents so, how- so yeah it took me 8 months to convince my parents yeah <laughs> so um my parents were considering things like why don't you get married and then <laughs> the typical typical indian yeah. no cult. my parents are not like that at all really okay. i was destined to be here they named me sara so that when i go and i move out of the country no one has problem in the pronunciation oh that is commit like that is wow yeah yeah so maybe your parents are like the 1% exception yeah. could because, be could be yeah. yeah because i know like like on instagram i have a lot of people messaging me about this mm-hmm. like they want to come to the uk and they have an offer letter and everything and their parents want them to get married so yeah <laughs> oh my god that it's, it's, it's it's more difficult for a woman in, yeah. in india isn't it because for yeah. a man i don't think they'd put that much pressure on a man is that right I of mean course, I think yeah. I think women and men both have their struggles but they are like very different oh okay that that's mm-hmm. that's what i feel because mm-hmm. like um men i think um they kind of are expected to like you know earn um, and bring things home and all of that at a very early age and women are not expected to do that but they are expected to get married which is again also like i think they both have like their own different yeah, struggles yeah their own dif- yeah their own difficulties yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um what i wanted to ask you i feel like i'm hosting this podcast <laughs> i have so many questions you are? maybe maybe i'm not let's see um i wanted to ask you something um how did how did um yeah what i have my notes i'm not allowed to have my notes i came prepared <laughs> i needed i like i have so many questions that's why i'm like okay let me write them down and so yeah uh anyway how did coming here change you so i want to start with Sara cuz Sara yeah. has been very very silent she's just laughing this whole podcast. No, I talked a little bit. Okay. I Sarah really has a very different story also like she comes from a different uh, kind of a background yeah. with very supportive parents and we are not uh, accustomed to that so please enlighten yeah. us. Yeah. And also remind me to say one thing after you're done. Go okay. ahead, go ahead. Okay, okay. So you have this I have I have this one thing I really really need to say. Just say But it that, now. No, 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 no. Say it now. No, no, no. No, no. no it's okay. Sarah, it's okay. Speak. Okay. Let me speak. I really don't think it has changed me by the way <laughs> because 
I moved out uh, from my parents' house when I was 13. So I had the habit of doing my work on my own. Where did you go? Where, where were you? So my parents live in a very small town um, of India. So the schooling and everything was not that great. So my sister moved out when she was 13 and then I followed her. You moved to in with your Delhi. sister? You moved yeah. in with your sister? Yeah, and my aunt. Uh, so I moved in, moved out when I was 13. So I, don't, I really don't think it made a difference when I moved out of the country, even for my parents. Because they were kind of used to... They were kind of used... The whole situation yeah. of you going out and studying. And they yeah. were well prepared for it. They were it. well prepared for it. Yeah. But by the end, yes, my mom was very emotional. I haven't seen her crying at all. But I saw her crying all the time <laughs> when she knew I was going to move out. Yeah. yeah, it must be difficult. It was a very even tough time for me and my family as well. Um, I've never seen my, my father tear up in my life. Even tear up. <laughs> Yeah, never, never, never. My mom, I'm used to her. She's, she cries every five seconds. My mom is a very emotional woman. But, uh, and we are very close. So that made it, well, like, yeah, even more difficult. Um, but I wanted to say something. And yeah. Before well, I forget. Wait, yeah. In my family, it's different. My father cries up every five minutes and my, mo- my, and my mom doesn't cry at oh, all. No, my dad, my, my dad acts, acts all macho. Like my dad does not like, he does not want to show emotion. Yeah. All Arab dads are like that. I don't know like if Indian... I mean, all Indian dads are also, also like that. It's yeah. just that Sarah is, a, is the 1% of ex- exception. Yeah. And yeah, like... I saw my dad tear up for the first time that day as well. So like we are all standing at the airport and like my dad is like tearing up and my brother is like ignoring me and (laughs) moving to the side because he doesn't want to cry. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I think that us coming to the UK uh, and our parents not being fully on board with it Mm -hmm. kind of puts a pressure on you. Yeah. It it, it kind of puts a lot of pressure because then relate. you leave your whole family. <laughs> I don't relate to it. <laughs> we are so mad at Sarah's parents for not treating her right. <laughs> you know, Sarah, you have your blessings. Because you know, you know why? Because um, if you mess up for any reason and you decide to come back oh, to India, God. yeah. All they'll be talking about is, hey, we told you so. Hey, we took what you want. Like, we gave you what you want. And then now you didn't listen to us. And I'll tell you one thing. Um, when I first got the offer letter and my dad was like, you know, kind of having this discussion with his friends and all of that. And they were like, are you sure it's not fraud? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were like, are you sure you got an awful letter from a university in London? Are you sure that it's not fraud? They, they'll just take your money and run, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. and you know, when, when a group of really, uh, you know, experienced people are sitting in a room and they're asking you if, it's not fraud and you're like just standing there and like oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to tell them so that, that exactly that's what I'm trying to say is that it puts a huge responsibility on your back on your shoulders because if God forbid by any chance you were wrong mm-hmm. then they'll tell you but you said this but you said this now what happened yeah, yeah that's that's how it is like but that was the risk that I was willing to take as well because I knew for a fact that there was no way I was staying in Dubai and continuing my life in Dubai I wanted to not just Dubai is a great place. It's good if you want to just settle. It's amazing. Trust you me. You want to go back? You you say that every five minutes. Every yeah. time we meet, Dubai is such a great place, it and is. I want. Yes. the brand ambassador. It, yeah, it it is Dubai such a. Dubai government should sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is. If you want to settle in Dubai, Dubai is a great place to settle in. If you're done with life, like if you're just ready to like ready to retire ready to settle in just teach students and just stop working as a dentist Mm -hmm. then dubai pays good you live a fairly amazing life and you'll just be comfortable you know where you are (coughs) so um what was the question you wanted to ask that one question no no no, i wanted to say what i wanted to say wasn't a question i wanted to say that because huma was mentioning that Mm -hmm. her parents wanted her to stay and all of that and I can kind of relate because even my parents were a bit skeptical. So it, that, that puts like a burden on us mm. in case we were ever wrong or in case something happens and we didn't make it. Then they're just going to be like, obviously, they're going to be supportive. They're our family. But mm. 
they're gonna go like we told you so like you should have listened to us and then you're just gonna have to live with that you know and there was no way i was willing to live with that it's like you're talking about love marriage and arranged marriage <laughs> maybe you can well i think it's, it's all big it's all big decisions in our life you know like uh, our parents have more conservative approach to life i guess because that that's how my parents were brought up like they always like try to take an option which has less less of risk and more of uh, you know something which everybody does and they are sure that this is the right thing to do and all of that so like for me coming from a like i think being the elder daughter in an indian <laughs> family is again traumatized oh, very <laughs> uh, yeah so i'm i'm like you know I, when i speak to sara she tells me like her sister had similar struggles to what i had as a elder sister so now like if my sister tells me that or if she tells my parents that uh, she wants to come and write the plab and be a doctor here my parents are open to it like uh, on the other hand they're not just open to it they are like uh telling my sister every day that why do you want to stay in india your sister is a fraud just go and live with her and like you know continue your life there because you know so you know i think it's it's a little difficult and you for had trouble convincing them yeah and i had doesn't. so much trouble convincing them Again, and i don't relate to you <laughs> because i am the younger child <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a spoiled one yeah. you're the spoiled one that's why that's why okay um i think uh, we should send uh, sara back home and then invite her sister on the podcast probably probably she could she would her sister yeah your sister would definitely relate to our uh... <laughs> oh, you both are the elder Yeah. Yeah, we're both I'm I'm the eldest. Homa, you Yeah, I'm the eldest. How, yeah. How many how many siblings do you have? I I have a younger sister and a brother and life is sorted for them. Oh, wow. <laughs> what about you, uh, Sara? Just an elder sister. <laughs> I'm lucky. Okay, so tell me what after finishing DDS or you guys got a BDS, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so mine is a DDS. It's basically the same, it's just the name difference, just mm-hmm. the title difference. What uh, how did you find uh, after you graduated how what is dentistry actually like Um for me or I think for most uh, people in India what we struggle with is for me it was actually a little bit easier because I had a government seat in my bachelor's So uh, what happened was um I didn't have an education loan or any like any financial pressure so all I did was go to work and be all right with whatever they had to pay me so that was something but i know like a lot of recent graduates struggle with that so uh if i have to say most uh people earn about 1500 inr 15000 sorry 15000 inr a month so if you could uh, that is 150 pounds a month but living in india 150 pounds really does a lot doesn't uh, it not really no So if I like if I'm staying in my own home and earning 15000 I think that's okay but then the way I'm brought up uh, if I go and buy two dresses that's it that's all my salary will bring me so yeah so that that's that's one uh, thing and uh, the, if people like me like who want to move from a smaller town to a bigger city so the rent in a bigger city is like what uh at least 15 to 20000 which is again like 150 to 200 pounds so you can't afford that on a salary which is that low so so follow up question is would you recommend um dentistry for your children would you actually encourage them to go after dentistry or what, what would your approach be different how would it, how different would it be to your to how your family approached you in studying dentistry mm mm-hmm. uh for me i think it was more of you know for me it was more like narrowing my options out of the things that i like so um you know like i think i have uh, my family kind of manipulated me as, like since i was a kid to uh, get into medicine and i think i like it so i'm not complaining but you know when we were like really small my dad used to like buy a microscope for us and like get an ant and like put it under the microscope and ki- kind of like show you all the things so maybe because that was his interest or what i don't know so so since i was growing up i was like really fascinated by living organisms and how they function and 
things like that so i wanted to get into mbbs obviously uh, but yeah i got a seat in through one of the exams which have like kind of an expensive seat so like earlier when i i had my entrance exam there were two exams one was called the cet and the other one was called the comet k so the comet k is uh, like you need to pay a lot uh, when you clear that exam and when you clear uh, cet uh, it's barely anything that you pay so um yeah that that was one thing and second thing is again being the eldest daughter my parents had no idea about most things so even though i cleared the exam i s- missed the first counseling for my mbbs exam so i didn't go to the seat allotment can you believe that <laughs> and <laughs> you know um like my friends or like my neighbors who had a rank which was much more than me so basically they scored less than me they are mbbs doctors today oh. <laughs> and i am a dentist because i didn't attend the counseling but you know what you know what uh, no i i am uh, not dentistry. saying no i am not undermining <laughs> dentistry i you know even when people say like dentists are not doctors i'm like yeah we are not doctors we are dentists so i'm proud to be a dentist well, yeah no but i think everything happens for a reason and i think that yeah. you there was a, a a reason behind you not getting your, the yeah. original plan God's that you plan. had yeah so <laughs> i mean think about it if you, if you went and you actually got a seat there and you took the exam and everything went well mm-hmm. you wouldn't be here Yeah. So it's actually mind blowing to look mm-hmm. back and maybe and maybe in 10 years time mm-hmm. when you look back you were like oh my god I would have had a totally different future. I would have maybe I would have probably stayed in India. Who knows. You know you know the thing is um because it happened this way uh that I scored well I could get a seat but I did not get it and I I am into dentistry. I think it works well for my self confidence and ha- I'm happy in the profession that I chose ultimately. So yeah I think uh, it's it's better that it happened this way I would be I think I would not be a confident person if I wouldn't get into the course in the first place yeah. so yeah Okay So because I'm a narcissist enough co- <laughs> enough <laughs> enough uh, enough uh, about, about you, you uh, I am your guest for today <laughs> Now he wants to talk <laughs> Well yeah I was wondering maybe if you have maybe a question for me that you'd like me to answer I want to no, ask just ask him would you recommend your child to go into dentistry okay, I so would I would Okay you would okay yes. uh, let me let me f- okay To me To me to me it's so different okay um if if my child shows any interest in dentistry I would not go against that mm-hmm. I'll tell him about my experience obviously but if my child or my uh, son daughter they they're just good in biology they're good in dentistry they show interest I'm fine yeah. but uh, my approach is basically just whatever your child has an interest in they should go yeah. into it let them like allow them you know and allow them to make as many mistakes as they could even if they thought that that was what they want to do and then turns out it's not that's okay they're in a they're in a time right now where it's okay to mess up and it's okay to think that this is for you and it's actually not i'm not saying that you shouldn't have guidance you shouldn't give them guidance mm-hmm. but i'm saying that you should allow them because because if you keep standing in their way in every little thing and tell them no you're going to do this no you're going to do that you're going to lower their confidence they're not going to be confident mm-hmm. when it actually comes to doing what they want to do they're always going to have self doubt they're always going to rem- because that's how i think it was that's how it is with me now when i when i think about something that i really really want to do all i remember is my family going like no what you want to do is dentistry or no what you want to do is this and that and that kind of lowers my confidence and it scares me a little bit because what if i mess up mm-hmm. all of us have the fear of messing up but then if i mess up then i'm going to go like oh my god my parents were right mm-hmm. but i don't want that for my children you, you were told to go into dentistry um yes but i was not forced into it i was not forced into it and accepted kind of yeah yeah kind of yeah guys again i don't relate to you yeah well yeah, yeah well anyway um so to me i wasn't forced into it but my father was like uh you should do it you should yeah you should be a dentist 
you should you should and it clicked it just clicked in my head yes that's all i want to do i never thought of anything else i never thought what i wanted to do i never thought what do i like what i don't like i knew i was good in biology i was good in like i was like i found that interesting but i never actually sat there and went like hmm maybe i want to do this for the rest of my life all of biology or just a reproductive system no 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 like it just <laughs> Just in general, like, cause, cause I was like, I was dumb in physics and math, like proper, du- like proper, like. No, I, I can't. Re- I was really good in physics, and I was really good in biology. Let's not talk to you if you were good in physics. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk to you. Yeah. So, um, for my kids, uh, I would let them explore their options, and I would actually have them fail. So, and there was, there's no way you could teach a child something that would actually resonate with them if they don't learn from their... We say this in Arabic. If you don't learn from your own bag, well, each person carries their own bag of responsibilities and actions. If you don't learn from your own bag, then you're never really going to learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, being told what to do at an early age... I'm not saying there shouldn't be guidance. Obviously, there should be. If your son tells you, hey, I want to be a breakdancer, well, then no. But like... <laughs> like <laughs> well you know you know what i mean like it's good to have a plan b yeah. and i know parents come from like they come from a good place they they want us to be the best they want us to be better than them um but i would actually l- let my son or daughter experience what they want to experience so that they don't look back and say i wish i did this or i wish i did that recently i found myself i found an interest in holding podcasts and doing podcasts and talking to people because I love listening to people's experiences and I love diving deep into conversation with people that have actually accomplished something. And I just found it easy to talk and easy to ask questions. If I knew that from the beginning, if I was taught, or maybe if I was given the opportunity to do whatever I want and have that freedom, then maybe I would have started a podcast a long time ago. I don't know. I don't know. Everything happens uh, like for a good, for a good reason, and um, better late than never. I don't know. Yeah, I think I I think to start something uh, that you're passionate about, especially in times uh, that we live in, age is just a number. I mean, you can you can start at, at your age. yeah, and you're not that old, Rami. Come on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're younger than us. Yeah, I know, I know. But then but then when I start like. When I, for example, for example, let's just say, for example, a profession that requires physical strength, let's say combat sports, any yeah. combat sports, mm-hmm. and you found yourself to be really, really good at it and you really love it, mm-hmm. but you were told that, no, that's not a good future, you, you might get hurt, which are all valid reasons. You could get hurt, you could injure yourself in a way that cannot, like you should always have a plan B, but, but the idea is if you were encouraged from a young age and you were allowed to do what you were allowed to do, who knows? Well, yeah. Uh, I think I can give you a little bit of change of perspective there. I mean, I know what you say. It's important when when it's in sports. But, uh, you know, I used to like run marathons when I was in Bangalore. So um, I had my coach and the first time that he ever sprint in his whole life was when he was 30. And that's when he started running and he's so good at it. Imagine starting at 13. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I I, I understand different. that, but it's it's never too late, is what I want to say. Yeah, yeah, because like right. you can't go back to being thirteen, yeah, but yeah, okay. you can start even now and still be good at it. So uh, I think for for that, it's worth mentioning that uh, Rami has a YouTube channel for oh. freestyle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, I used to be a football freestyler. See, here's here's when uh, here's where I will actually support your point of view. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do freestyle football for my whole life. Like Mm -hmm. it was my ride or die, you know, as I think, you know, I have it tattooed on my calf. Like it was a huge deal. I have the word freestyle. I think we can post your tattoo on Instagram. Yeah. Yes. People can actually come and check. I was so obsessed with this sport Mm -hmm. that I had it tattooed on the back of my calf. And I did that in India, actually. I got my tattoo in India. No, I I got it in Kerala. (laughs) I went to Kerala and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I don't care. And my family were like against it, like so against, like, you know, tattoos. And that's a big deal. An Arab uh, family. It was a big deal. Um, So I wanted to do do that for the rest of my life. And I was like, yeah, you know what? Screw this. Let me go and get this tattooed. I don't care about anyone. I want to do this. And I went and I got the tattoo. I did not regret it. To this day, I don't regret the tattoo. I just, I regret um, letting my parents down. Mm. 
or uh i want to ask you if you will get something related to dentistry ever tattooed on your body <laughs> no. never 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 like what am i going to get like a tooth a <laughs> like a ma- mouth mirror a floss what am i going to what am i going to get but freestyle had so much deep meaning yeah probably endophiles yeah <laughs> but the thing is freestyle had so much meaning because freest like the journey of freestyle was so different for me freestyle helped me meet a lot of people and i was always that shy guy i was always a very shy person it's I always cannot imagine you as a shy, shy person. person no 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 you would you, trust me you would like if you met me 10 15 years ago you would not know me at all i was such a shy person i was always afraid to speak i was always afraid to just be out there mm-hmm. with freestyle football because you do so many shows in front of so many people mm-hmm. and you do competitions and these competitions are usually in front of a huge crowd it's nerve-wracking it used to be so nerve-wracking to me and because of that uh after shows or after um performances or or uh, competitions people would come and actually ask for pictures or when you're doing a show they would actually like they they see you putting the ball on your head or like they see you doing a certain trick and they want to take a picture next to you and that felt really 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 good mm-hmm. and for a certain point in time i i was like yeah i'm doing this for the rest of my life mm-hmm. but uh you know nev- like you never know what happens later on with you in life i just lost interest in the sport i loved it but i lost interest i think um, i think sports uh, or any discipline in that regard uh, kind of changes the whole perspective of how you see things in all fields like you know even if you are if you learn something from freestyle football you you do apply some of that in dentistry i'm sure like the mindset oh yeah 100% 100% yeah, so yeah i agree sports kind of uh, puts that in you yeah mm. yeah it gives you confidence uh, it makes you feel good you you never really feel depressed at all you're too tired to feel depressed mm. <laughs> no seriously yeah, yeah just go home and sleep like you, you, you won't have energy you don't have even energy to have a single bad thought in your head you just want to sleep and yeah so yeah, and also like you know like when you are stressed you just like you just go play football or like you just go play combat sports or for me i just go to the gym and it kind of helps you get that aggression out yeah or... you know let me let me let me pause here for a second we've been actually this is our first podcast and we've been talking for 58 50, minutes almost 50 minutes that's awesome <laughs> That's we're awesome. Not yet. No, we're, we're not, not but we have yet. so much to talk about. But we're going to bore the public. No, 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 no. Why? Why if people want to leave, they could leave. We want to talk about what we want to talk about, right? I'm sorry. I'm I'm Since we were talking about our kids going into dentistry, don't you guys think it's so much easier for them to go into dentistry because they don't have to start from the scratch like we No, not at all. My kids if the if I were dent that's like that's a disadvantage. If my kids were to be uh, if they were to show interest in dentistry and they expect me to help them along the way they are so wrong. <laughs> I would want them to go through what I went through. Even worse because No, but they have the clinic like they have a setup no, I think they have everything. The struggles will be kind of a Just little bit less. A little bit less. But of I think course, the pressure will, will be doubled because like they'll be the kids of a well-known dentist and they'll have to like live up to it. Yeah, but that way like but I, like my reputation would be on the line as well, you know? Yeah. I mean, you never know. These are these are things like we're talking about worst-case scenarios here. But we're always we're only talking about like things that I might go wrong, but we are, we are I think we are going way into the future. Let's go back in the past and ask if Sara's parents actually applied and filled her forms and sent her to UK. <laughs> no, no. Really. They how, didn't. How, how yeah, how did it come to you? Like how did this work? Because I always wanted to move out of India. Not forever, but for a little while. So, uh I thought US wouldn't be wouldn't accept me because Muslim and everything so I was scared to apply to the US plus it's too far off and I don't want to stay so far away from my family so I was looking at the places that is near to India like hours. yeah 10 hours 13 hour flight not 17 or 20 hour so I was looking and nothing was working out because most of the colleges in UK needed 2 years work experience for you to apply for an MSc and uh, there's no um by the way we go through agencies like when you want to apply oh yeah I'm familiar with the agencies you go through yeah. yeah so i wanted to to do something in clinical dentistry 
but i went to every single agency in the north but no one provides the you know guidance for clinical courses they do it for public health non clinical blah blah hospital blah management. hospital management but nothing for clinical so i was very sad and everything and then uh, i stopped for a while i thought okay maybe let me just work for 2 years and then i'll see and i'll apply but i don't know how things work worked out and uh, i searched and i found the course and voila i'm here <laughs> what so um what are the kinds of problems that have you first of all before i ask this question have you guys worked in private i have mm-hmm. i have worked in a pl- private clinic as i said uh, with uh, dr jens actually and how many years did you work in private uh, i worked in private for a year exactly a year okay and what about you sir did you work i in only pri- worked for 6 months okay so as you know for anyone listening to this podcast any uh, you do know that um, work in uni or de- treating patients in your uh, in your college or in your hospital is different than when you go in private because in private they're actually paying money and that is different in uni they're not paying if they, if they were to pay money for a treatment they wouldn't be paying as much maybe they'd be paying fees like to open the patient file or like just very very uh, minimal fees but when you're when you're in private there's a certain set of expectations so my question to you is what working for one year in in, in a private practice what would you say are the challenges in dealing with patients in a private practice um okay so in the hospital that i worked in before i work in private it w- it was like kind of government aided so patients had to pay 20 pence to enroll and most of the treatments were less than a pound maybe it a composite filling or amalgam filling or uh, you know like uh, ortho treatment is 30 pounds uh, so yeah yeah so because it's government aided uh, obviously because of that uh, yeah so in in a setup like that it was like uh, like the equipments we had and the uh, type of facilities we had were kind of uh, like you know you it was kind of like you get what you pay but yeah they were paying really less and getting way more uh, than what anybody would get here for t- 20 pence i mean come on <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah so um, like patients being comfortable was not something uh, which was paid more attention to i guess we had to treat a lot of patients in a day and like we were always in a rush and um, yeah so i think uh, that was a major difference between a private clinic because in a private clinic it was like we, we listen to the patients we talk to the patients we ask them what they want and yeah like uh, if you want to get a f- the same filling say in a private clinic it will cost you like 15 pounds so you see the difference between 20 pence and 15 pounds i think uh, unfortunately uh, the biggest uh, problem or like the biggest difference was uh, to the patients was that uh, the way they were treated they were treated uh, when i say treated i don't mean the treatment because like obviously the treatment is the same but they had less options and like they were just like you okay yeah just come and they they were just on your seat and not, in five they were not explained so much about the treatment yeah. and everything like They've, in private practices yeah we just uh, saw the patient case and saw oh this is a class 2 and like okay then amalgam is the best option for this patient and we just did amalgam but in a clinic you need to explain them like you know you have amalgam you have composite you have blah gic blah 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 and then so that was that uh, and when from a dentist's perspective it was lot more comfortable obviously working in a private clinic because we had portable x-rays we didn't have to like develop x-rays that is what we did i had, uh, to. I had, I had to. to yeah no i didn't have to we had digital x-rays and uh, yeah we uh, i had somebody helping me and like when i am not working i would be helping uh, the other senior dentists and lot of the uh, treatments that we provided were more advanced than what we did in a rural hospital so yeah things like that and obviously uh, like i didn't get paid uh, during my internship i think i sh- i was eligible to get paid but i don't know why i didn't get paid everyone in india is eligible to get paid during their internship but the college usually eats up the money 
Okay. Okay. The, well, okay. So yeah, yeah. Because an internship, I did not get paid a single penny. Nothing. I, I actually paid. I actually paid the college. I paid them around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paid I paid. Yeah, I paid the college around in pounds. I would say around. No, no, no. Um, not that much. I'm not that rich, Sarah. <laughs> I do live in Dubai, but I'm not that rich. Um, I paid around ten, ten thousand pounds. I paid ten thousand pounds, and everything was from my pocket. Like even the instruments, everything you you pay for everything. So I think you get what you pay for. But uh, my question was like the things that you would face in a in a private practice are mainly patient expectations, and yeah. the the reason why we have a clash between patients and uh, and the dentists because they are paying money, and they are expecting they they have extremely high expectations, especially with the social media now. Mm-hmm. Uh, how they expect their uh, like for example if if a patient comes to you with uh, an inflamed pulp and the patient needs endo and you do the endo properly and everything was proper but then you get a flare-up which is very possible and like 40 percent of the cases you you get usually the patient gets a flare-up you there's nothing wrong with what you did but the patient does not know that Mm -hmm. he does not know that that he or she does not know that 40% 40% of the cases of end of uh, removing a pulp or root canal therapy results in a flare-up. So I think it's communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think number one, number one is communication. That's the most important, even if you were a bad dentist. I don't believe there's a bad dentist, but even if, uh, that's communication. And second, second of all is um, setting patients' expectations, yeah. letting them know, hey, so four things. I always I always go by these four rules with a patient in a private practice just to stay safe. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is you tell them what you're going through. In every case, no matter what it is, you, even if you're doing the scaling. So first thing you do is to avoid any conflict with any patient. This will yeah. minimize your conflict. So what you do is, number one, you tell them what you're going to do. So um, patient has reversible pulpitis. Let's just take the simplest example. So, hey, doctor, my tooth hurts. I drink cold and hot... Uh, water yeah. or like tea or whatever i get pain and then or when i eat ice cream there's pain blah 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 so you tell them what they have that's number one you tell them what they have mm-hmm. hey you after careful examination i did this test i did this test i did this test they all confirm this they all mm-hmm. confirm reversible pulpitis so what you have is reversible pulpitis and you explain it to them mm-hmm. secondly you explain what you're going to do so what i'm going to do is i'm going to remove the carious uh, lesion i'm going to go deep you always say this. You always mention the worst. You always say it might be even if even if on a radiograph it didn't seem close to the pulp. You mention this might be close to the pulp because uh, an X-ray is a two D image. When I dig deep, it might be different. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So I will. You say I will try to save the tooth from root canal therapy. Most likely, it won't be the case, but it yeah. might happen. So what you're going to do? I'm going to remove the lesion, clean, place a filling. Blah blah blah. I will use this material. I will use that done what you're going to do third thing you mention side effects you mention uh, if there's going to be pain after you mention the prognosis mm-hmm. hey this has like this filling will probably there's no guarantee but will probably last you around 10 years for just just yeah, give a rough yeah. estimate or like back it up with research how uh, how long does an, does this composite filling last you just give them facts you give them studies that's the third thing and fourth thing most importantly, which they care about is how much it's going to cost. They yeah. don't care. They don't care what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. All of what they're going to hear, the first three steps or the first two, they're not really going to, li- they're not really going to be listening. They don't care. They're in pain. They just, yeah. they just want this pain out. You know, no matter what you do, even if you take the tooth out, they won't care at the time. They're in so much pain. But the last thing is how much it's, it's going to cost them. So how much is going to cost and uh, this, the, the prognosis the chance of success that's what they care about how much are, am i paying and how much am i getting in return and um if anything were to go wrong you are yeah. that's where you have explained you've you've put all your chips in you have nothing left to hide so that when something goes wrong oh the dentist told me this might happen i shouldn't worry so if a flare-up happens coming back to the end of thing if a flare-up happens patient won't be calling you 24-7 telling you, hey, what did you do? You did this, you did that, that wasn't supposed to happen. And then if you tell them later that's normal, they'll tell you, they'll think you're like trying to mess with them. Yeah. Like they're just, the dentist trying to run away, that's not a good dentist. Yeah. But in reality, that's not true. And the patient might might 
display this message on a dentist and might ruin their reputation mm -hmm. on something that is not true, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think we should be very, very careful. Communication is number one and proper history taking. So that is uh, very, very important in private practice. Um, yeah, that is right. I think I learned all of this a little bit early because uh, I started shadowing uh, a dentist who was practicing like close to my house uh, at the end of second year. So that's when I entered the clinic at the end of second year. And, uh, you know, uh, to be honest, like at that point, I, I didn't even uh, enter the clinic in my dental college. So I was always like, I was basically like... Uh, receptionist to him <laughs> so or a dental nurse to him yeah you can say that <laughs> so i was uh like uh, i was not handling any of the patients obviously but i was standing there and observing the whole thing ki, okay so when patient says this he's taking x-rays and uh when, like you know uh, like you know some patients you can easily judge the patients i mean we have to as dentists like this patient is cooperative or this is how i'm supposed to treat this patient and this is how like when a patient like if a 20 year old comes in walking through the door that we design a completely different course of treatment for that patient and if it, it's a 60 year old person then we have a different sort of treatment for that so yeah that i mean when i say judge i mean that yeah. so yeah so i think i learned that a little bit early so it e even helped me when i was like dealing with all these patients in uh, my internship uh, for me the main difference when i entered the clinics like after college when i started working privately i think the main thing was when we were students and when we were interns we had that room to make mistakes but the moment we enter a clinic and we're like doctors, we don't have that room for mistake. Yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't yeah. you're expected to make zero mistakes, but that's not humanly possible. And in, in turn, as, as an intern, you have your senior doctors. If you mess up, they'll figure it out. They'll do it for you. But once you enter privately, you have to do everything. And that, I think, is a bit scary if you're a new dentist. Yeah. No, 100%. I think dentistry as a profession is a very, very, very stressful profession. Yeah. But, like, it is a stressful profession, but compared to other professions, it's a walk in the park. Because look at surgeons that actually do, like, yeah, like they deal the, with the human with, lives. Like, we like oncologists, for example, <laughs> that deal with cancer, or, like, people that deal with, like, accidents and emergencies. Yeah. Or uh, like um, cardiologists or people that actually save, like save, save lives, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so they, dentistry or, and like medicine in general as a profession, no matter what you're doing, if you're dealing with a human being, you should be extra, extra careful. You should be very, very careful with how you treat your patients. And you mentioned a very important point is that before you actually get to private, there's like now you can make mistakes and they tell us that in an in, in, in internship they tell us now you can make mistakes but later on there's God. no room for that so yeah i think this was fun do you guys yeah. want to go more or just let's just end this here let's just end this uh, i think this is the longest uh, <laughs> podcast that I, I think the longest i have recorded so far was 58 minutes yeah so this is so we set a record today yeah awesome yeah that's awesome well no i had so much fun um I wish you all the best, Huma. I'm very, very excited for you. Maybe one day I'll start my own podcast and maybe we could team up together and collaborate. Maybe we, who knows, maybe we'll have our own podcast someday. Yeah. Who knows? We'll be, we'll be awesome. We'll, be, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. But thank you for having me. And uh, by the way, guys, my socials will be posted, right? Right, Huma? You will post my socials, no. right? What? I'm, Come, I'm your guest. I'm your guest. I'm not your friend. I'm your guest today. You're not letting me do my outro. Oh, okay. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, fine. Fine. Do your outro. Okay, fine. Yeah, so um, we had with us Rami and Sarah. So Sa Sarah and Rami's... Uh, you know socials will be posted in the description below thank you so much for joining us today and listening and if you made to the end of it oh my god <laughs> thank you so much uh, for all the support uh, do follow us on all our socials and sarah has a new instagram page Please it's called 
<laughs> okay it's called uh, imperfectly perfect dentist as she is and um, she's very patriotic as you can see so go follow her and yeah people from dubai uh, i have quite an audience from dubai because like i interviewed uh, one of a guest from ajman dental college yeah that's yeah. that's that's where i graduated from so i graduate from ajman university yeah, so, so yeah, that's awesome so yeah all of rami's juniors can uh, hit him up at his socials yeah well and thank you for having me thank you for having me huma thank you for being our guest today you're welcome thank you huma see you <laughs> see you guys in another episode i know it's been a long time but i'll try posting more frequently and see you next time